informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us. Wow, another week flying by. It's amazing. It's just been so much going on. It really makes time go fast. We've uh, covered a lot of topics this week. Want to kind of uh, get some perspective on some of those issues that can continue on, and that's, of course, trade and farm bill right at the top of the list. We're going to talk uh, today with the president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, Kevin Kester, from their summer meeting going on in in Denver. We're going to talk with the president and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council, Tom Slate. They just wrapped up their summer meeting in Denver. And we're also going to talk with the uh, Director of Government Affairs for the National Association of Conservation Districts. They've kind of set a priority list of what they would like to see in the next Farm Bill. Let's start with Farm Bills. We bring in Chris Clayton from DTN. Hi, Chris. How are you? Uh, doing well, Mike. How about so? It's Friday. Good. Hey, thank God, right? Well, there's been there has been so much happening this week, and you know I'm starting to get an uneasy feeling on this on this farm bill. Now we have our we know the Senate conferees, and we know things are being done behind the scenes here in August, and they'll really get to it uh, in September. Uh, Senate leader Senate Majority Leader McConnell wants something done pretty quick after Labor Day. That seems to be a pretty ambitious uh, timeline. But here's what kind of concerns me now. On this SNAP issue, which is a huge hurdle to overcome anyway, now you got the president weighing in again, and uh, he is tweeting out this uh, message saying, when the House and Senate meet on the very important farm bill, we love our farmers. Hopefully they will be able to leave the work requirements for food stamp provisions that the House approved. And now then you have groups on both sides weighing in on this, those that want that and agree with it, those that oppose that. So it really, it's kind of amping up uh, the rhetoric on that, and it seems to me it's going to make it even more difficult to, to hammer something out. What do you think? Um, I, I don't think the president's statements on that are, are very well-informed, first of all. Um, it, it did get a vote in the Senate, and it only got 30 votes. It failed 30 to 68. Um, you have uh, senators in some very rural states that voted against it. Um, Lisa Murkowski from Alaska had argued that this, it just doesn't work in her state. It doesn't work in, in places where you have uh, large Indian reservations and very, very high unemployment. Um, and that is part of the reason it failed in the Senate. Senator McConnell voted against it. Uh, I, I think the Farm Bill... The House is in a difficult is in a more difficult position than the Senate. The Senate got 86 votes, and Mitch McConnell put himself on the uh, conference committee. So you've got the Senate Majority Leader on the conference committee himself. So uh, you know, I, I think the president's rhetoric rhetoric on that. Um, it was interesting that he threw out a tweet on the farm bill that um, you know. I don't think that in the grand scheme of things when you've got, uh, like I said, 86 senators back the, a, uh, that piece of legislation, that it's going to make a big difference. Well, he did stop short of threatening a veto. At least he didn't do that. Yeah, right. You know, it just it was, uh, it was, it was just kind of strange how it just kind of came out there with him on, uh, on yesterday. Uh, on that, I'm not sure if Fox News had done something on the farm bill. Uh, I wasn't paying attention, but 
that had been the most interesting thing to me is what made him decide he was going to tweet something on the farm bill yesterday. He did uh, also suggest that the Senate needs to eliminate its filibuster rule. Uh, so we'll see what happens as this. What? But again, his comments really got both sides uh, fired up. Uh, anti-hunger advocates, uh, uh, of course, disagree, and they're talking about uh, the concern over taking food from people who don't meet a work requirement, and that will hurt many people who are already working but in low-wage jobs. And then uh, the, you have the, on the other side the Foundation for Government Accountability. That's a very hardline conservative welfare reform group. They say the president is right. The House's improved food stamp work requirements should stay in the farm bill. So you've just uh, you've ramped up the debate, that's for sure. And I don't know. They've got to find some some middle ground. Most people think they're going to go probably more with the Senate version, but I can't imagine those House Republicans are just going to cave in and let it all all their work go go away. So there's got to be some middle ground in there, I would think. Well, you know, any the most important thing for House Republicans is to get a farm bill passed. You know, they're out pretty much the entire month of October to campaign. And uh, they feel that there's pressure on some of these red state uh, Republicans in a few of these areas. Uh, the most important thing to them is to get a bill passed. Uh, they want to fixate on the, the SNAP work requirement on that. Um, sure, they're going to get a little bit of their base fired up. That's not going to win them any new votes, though. Um, they, they really need to get, come home and be able to say, to look, look farmers in the face and say, we got this bill, farm bill passed for you guys. Uh, we made some improvements. Um, you know, we try and bring some certainty to the situation. The SNAP requirement, it doesn't save a whole lot of money, first of all, and it, it is impractical in some places. Uh, even the idea of IDing everybody on SNAP is kind of uh, a little bit ridiculous. I, I wrote a piece the other day, I made a point, hey, my, my family was on food stamps for a while when I was a kid, and I was my mom's gopher. I was the guy who went to the store as a 10, 12, 13-year-old carrying those food stamps to get groceries for my mother. So, you know, even ID situations don't work perfectly. Um, it's, you know, they want to stand their ground on food stamps and not get a farm bill passed before the election. I think it's probably the dumbest thing that they could do. Well, it's going to be interesting to watch. No doubt the upcoming elections will have a big part to, to play in this. Real quick, Chris, uh, more and more we're hearing about the uh, the harm from the tariffs, uh, the trade issues with China, whether it's uh, lobsters or salmon uh, exports of all sorts of products are being affected. That brings more lawmakers in uh, and weighing in on this. It does, and it comes both ways because the um – the announcement of tariffs that they released uh, by the Trump administration on Thursday pretty much would slap a 25% tariff on every seafood item that is imported uh, from China. You know, we import a lot of seafood from them as well. Uh, it goes both ways. So, yes, there's been a lot of pushback uh, from the seafood industry, uh, whether we're exporting salmon or we're importing shrimp, um, both sides are, uh, are, are pretty much uh, upset about the impact of that and what it's going to translate into, especially at uh, uh, restaurants, et cetera. 
Well, some big issues, that's for sure. And a lot of these issues we've been talking about for some time are really heating up and some coming to a boil. So it, uh, it's going to be an interesting rest of this summer and heading towards the fall. And again, those elections uh, looming uh, ever closer all the time. Always good to talk with you, Chris. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. And have a great weekend, Mike. You, you too. Take care. Ag Policy Editor for DTN, Chris Clayton, joining us here on the program today. All right, later we're going to talk trade issues with Tom Slate, President and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council. Always good to hear from Tom. What is he hearing from our customers around the world? And we'll be talking with the Director of Government Affairs for the National Association of Conservation Districts. They've set their priority list from a conservation standpoint, what they'd like to see in the Farm Bill. But up next, Kevin Kester, president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, from their summer meeting going on right now. We'll see what uh, cattle producers are saying about some of these issues. That's next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat, I would flip-flop all night long, I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed, it's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota. Minnesota, a 10-year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. 
That's right, get 50% off the four-pack of two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. To order, go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get 50% off the four-pack of two premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. Call 800-871-7280 or go to MyPillow.com and use promo code FARM11. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, the cattle industry's big summer meeting going on uh, this week in Denver. Joining us now is the president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, Kevin Kester. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Good morning. Glad to be with you. What is the mood? What's the attitude uh, among producers there at the meeting? Well, I would say the mood from producers is uh, very positive. Our cattle markets seem to be hanging in there and being a little stronger than those uh, experts were forecasting because of stronger demand uh, in our export markets as well as here at home. So our mood is pretty strong, and uh, everybody's in a a pretty decent mood. Obviously, you've got some producers, though, that are in areas with some stress, whether it's some drought or some tough conditions that they're dealing with. Yes, that's true, and, and unfortunately, as always seems to be the case across the country, we have pockets of drought still, and I see those areas as I travel across the country. In my home state of California, we're having a, quite a large number of uh, major fires and with some uh, severe consequences right now, so uh, Mother Nature is uh, always, uh, you never know what the curveballs we're going to get, but we deal with it, and that's what makes our industry so strong is uh we're very resilient, and we adapt to uh, whatever comes our way. We're talking with Kevin Kester, president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Kevin, I'm sure trade is a big topic of conversation, and the, the trade issues that are going on now, the tensions, the tariffs, the retaliation, uh, what are producers saying about all that? So uh, you're right. Trade is a top of mind for producers, and as I travel across the country, uh, Producers are supporting the president's position on trade, and NCBA also supports President Trump. We want him to be successful in negotiating fair and equitable trade in uh, agreements across uh, different countries across the world. So uh, we're very supportive of the president's efforts and appreciate it. And at the same time, there is uncertainty uh, because of potential trade wars even getting bigger. So we uh, encourage these discussions and and trade efforts to be concluded just as soon as possible to cause us the least amount of harm. Yeah, what is your biggest concern? Is it to get NAFTA done? Is it what's going on uh, with the EU or China? What's at the top of that concern list? You bet. So the top of the concern list, let's go ahead and get NAFTA concluded. Uh, I think we're uh, pretty darn close with Mexico right now, and I think Canada uh, will get that done after that. And so that will conclude NAFTA, and that will allow us to kind of our U.S. Trade Representative's office. They they have limited staffing, so uh, they would uh, focus probably on the EU. And uh, at the same time, we're starting up uh, maybe some initial bilateral talks with uh, Japan. And then uh, at the same time, uh, we get some of these, ones that done that we just uh, talked about, then we can uh, hopefully get China to, to move and not get fully engaged in an all-out trade war. 
So it sounds like even with your concerns that uh, you, you still have hope. You're optimistic that these things are going to turn out uh, uh, to be good for U.S. agriculture, and in your case, the beef industry. There's no doubt in my mind that we will, in the end result will be good for us, and the results will be very positive for us. It's just uh, we want to make sure that we don't lose uh, focus on the goal line and we start concluding some of these trade negotiations so we can uh, keep moving and crossing uh, negotiations uh, agreements off the list of having to work on. So we'll get it done, but trade and negotiations uh, almost always are very uh, difficult because of all the complications. There's nothing simple about negotiating trade agreements, uh, very technical. So uh, we'll get it done, and we just want to get it done in a manner where we suffer the least amount of uh, unintended consequences. Kevin, what about the farm bill? What do you most want to see from a cattle perspective in this farm bill? The biggest uh, priority for NCBA and I think the entire cattle industry is to establish a updated and modernized foot and mouth disease vaccine bank. Uh, that priority is in both versions of the House and Senate. So and the House side has full funding for it, so that's our number one uh, priority, as well as strong funding continuing uh, for conservation title programs like EQIP, which is uh, very important to many of our producers, including myself, and then uh, research title. We want to make sure we keep up funding for strong research efforts, and as well as funding for market access programs and for market development. So those are our priorities in the current farm bill, and I'm very optimistic that uh, it will get out of conference uh, in a pretty decent amount of time to where it's still possible we'll even finish that by the expiration date of September 30th, uh, October 1st of this year, and if they don't meet that, I'm sure it will be very shortly afterwards. An issue that I know you're watching closely, and it, it popped up on the Senate side especially, and that's uh, differences of opinion over uh, on the rules for uh, for for drivers and hauling especially livestock uh, hours you know work hour requirements this is an important issue yeah, it's a very important issue the electronic logging device issue is very top of mind uh, to producers from coast to coast as I travel people want to find out about it so I think we're in a pretty good spot I've got a lot of work to do on it but there's a uh, good news is as you mentioned in this Senate appropriations, as well as the House appropriations bill, uh, we have for livestock callers and language for an additional one-year delay uh, from October 1, uh, 2018 to September 30, 2019. If we are not successful in getting our legislation implemented, we do have uh, standalone legislation right now in the House, as well as the two pieces of legislation in the U.S. Senate. Uh, and we're looking for ways to get those across the finish line. So we're multi-pronged strategy on uh, coming to a successful result with ELDs. Uh, it's, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal uh, for producers uh, all across the country. Talking with Kevin Kester, president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Kevin, I know another important issue uh, for your industry is the, uh, well, whatever you want to call it, fake meat. Uh, lab-produced yep. meat, yep. imitation meat, whatever it is, but this is this is and and potentially could be an even bigger issue. It already is a big issue, I know, of concern for your industry. 
Yeah, this issue of what we call fake meat has kind of come out of uh, nowhere in the last uh, eight to ten months. So where we're at on that, there's two kinds of what we call fake meat. There's protein-based uh, products that are already on the market, like the Impossible Burger and uh, Beyond Meat, is, for example. It's really clear that the Food and Drug Administration has the overriding authority from an agency to regulate those products. Unfortunately, uh, the FDA has a very, very poor track record over the past 20-plus years on administering uh, current regulations for labeling and marketing claims. Uh, you can look at the milk and dairy industry and make sure we don't end up in the same position as that. So uh, we're engaged with FDA to uh, make sure that they enforce uh, marketing and labeling claims for uh, plant-based fake meat protein products. Now, the big issue coming into the future here is lab-based or what I call petri dish uh, fake meat. So those products are in the research stage. There's nothing on the market yet, but I come to find out there's no regulatory authority uh, on the books right now. So right now, uh, we're advocating very strongly that the USDA uh, Food Safety Inspection Service, in, in particular, uh, be the overriding agency to administer labeling, marketing claims, as well as food safety inspection protocols for any products coming out of a petri dish. So FDA is, for some reason, jumped into it. They're trying to claim authority over that. And uh, obviously, the companies doing the research would prefer FDA because they can look and see the poor track record of enforcement for marketing claims and labeling. So uh, fortunately, Sunny Secretary of Ag, Sonny Perdue, is on our side, and he's very strongly advocating for USDA to be the, the lead authority uh, on those uh, petri dish products as they come out into the future. So we're having a little bit of a food fight between the FDA and USDA, but I am very uh, optimistic that the USDA will um, get the job done and end up being uh, the overseer for food safety inspection and, and keep us on a level playing field. All right, Kevin, thank you. Do you have, have you got a good turnout there at your summer meeting? We do. We have uh, close to 800 producers from across the country, and we're uh, conducting our summer business meeting and other industry meetings here, and uh, really grassroots effort, and uh, we're, we're getting some business done here. Very good, and enjoying some uh, great-tasting, nutritious beef, right? You bet. I've been out to several uh, Denver restaurants here the last few nights and had some great steaks. <laughs> I'm very envious. So uh, enjoy, and uh, thanks for the report. We'll talk again soon. You bet. Thank you. Uh, Kevin Kester, president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, from their uh, summer meeting going on in Denver. Well, the uh, U.S. Grains Council just wrapped up their meeting. We're going to talk with the president and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council, Tom Slade, about uh, what uh, was discussed and uh, what they acted on at their meeting and what he's hearing from our customers around the world in these times of uh, retaliation. We'll get an update next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. 
UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is the American Ag Network with an Adams on Agriculture market check. Soybeans are lower again this morning, partially due to an announcement out of China this morning that they intend to impose tariffs on 60 billion U.S. dollars worth of products imported from the United States, subject to the actions of the U.S. So far, they've not specified what products are included, but regardless, it's another sign that the trade war between the U.S. and China is not close to a resolution, although the United States says they're in constant communication. Wheat markets are mixed as Paris futures have turned lower this morning, and corn continues to ride a good weather forecast. September corn is up two and a half at 369 and a quarter. December up two and a quarter at 383 and a half. September soybeans are down six at 881. November beans down five and three quarters at 891 and three quarters. The wheat market is mixed. September in Chicago is down a quarter at 560 and a quarter. But in Kansas City, September wheat is up two and a half at 571 and a half. September wheat in Minneapolis is up four and a quarter at 614 and three quarters. December is up four and three quarters at 632 and a half. An active day, livestock markets waiting until the end of the week to get going. October live cattle up $1.90 at 111.85. December up 130 at 115.12. Feeder cattle for September up $1.15. At 152.50. November up 67 at 152.80. On the hog market, lean hogs, October up 232 at 51.97. December hogs up $1.90 at 47.07. So far, not much activity on the cash cattle or cash hog markets on Friday morning. The outside markets, the Dow is up today, up about 48 points. Crude oil is up three cents. For Adams on Agriculture, this is the American Ag Network. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. Uh, We just heard from Kevin Kester, president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, at their summer meeting. Well, the 
U.S. Grains Council just wrapped up their summer meeting and joining us now to tell us about it, the president and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council, Tom Slate. Tom, thanks for joining us. How was your meeting? Well, Mike, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good time in Denver. We had uh, really good participation, uh, great meeting. Denver seems to be the spot. NCBA there now. You just wrapped up your meeting there. Uh, a friend of mine for many years, Jim Stitzline, was chosen to be your new chairman, right? Yeah, Jim was elected uh, chairman. Uh, it's the first time in uh, probably about uh, 14 years or so we've had an agribusiness person as a, as a chairman of the U.S. Grains Council. And so uh, kind of a reminder, you know, sort of the unique construction of the U.S. Grains Council. It's agribusiness, farmers, and, you know, government working together. Yeah, Jim and I have known each other for more years than either one of us would probably want to admit to. All right, well, let's talk about uh, trade, of course, and I'm sure that was the big topic of conversation at your meeting. Yeah, Mike, it really was. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to have a meeting uh, with any kind of meeting with the U.S. Grains Council without talking about the trade climate. We had several speakers talking about the, uh, the current trade climate uh, you know, it got a little little gloomy there at times, but uh, we we try to focus also on some of the bright spots going on uh, with trade, particularly for uh, for feed greens. All right, so I always ask you this because you're in touch with our buyers, our customers around the world. What are you hearing from them right now? Well, you know, it, it, different things. I think that we're also main message, Mike, is that the U.S. is very competitive as a seller right now. And the market's responding to that. You know, we're, we're probably the most competitive seller, particularly in the feed grain side, in Asia, uh, for, for sure. And in Mexico, we're still seeing, you know, strong purchases, 100% U.S. market share. So, yeah, we do have trade concerns, you know, trade policy concerns. We're still having problems with China. We're still having problems with getting NAFTA across the finish line. Uh, but in places like the Middle East, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, places like that we haven't talked a lot about. Demand is strong, and, and buyers are responding. Let's talk a little bit about NAFTA. It sounds like we're getting close to a deal with Mexico. What are your thoughts on that strategy of uh, striking a deal with Mexico and then trying to cut, circle back and bring in Canada? Well, we're not tar- entirely in favor of separating the, the countries. However, you know, Mexico is so doggone important to us uh, in the feed grain sector. We want, it, we want to get them across the finish line. And if that brings Canada in, great, um, because uh, Canada is important to us, too. Uh, it's just that, you know, we, we, we've, we've got to get this thing moving. A lot of countries are waiting to see, you know, how NAFTA concludes. And so uh, uh, it's hopeful signs right now, hopeful signs. We're talking with Tom Slate, president and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council. Tom, there have been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of talk about even once these things are settled, has there been damage done? Have we lost credibility? Have we lost our standing as a reliable supplier? Or have we opened the door for competitors to move into markets? Can you assess that now, uh, any long-term damage being done by these trade issues? Yeah, yeah, we've, we've done some damage, Mike. We've done some damage in terms of a lot of countries asking about uh, how the U.S. is going to, you know, just trade in general. How are we going to be able to work with on trade in general? The thing that really got my attention, though, is that I met a couple of weeks ago with the Australian Minister of Agriculture. He was in Washington. His next stop was in Mexico. Uh, the President of Bill uh, pulled out of a meeting, a big agricultural meeting he was going to be addressing. 
because he wanted to go on a trade trip to Mexico. Uh, here we have, uh, you know, Chinese meeting in Washington, D.C., and going down to South America. So there's a lot of, you know, we've opened the door in a lot of places, and our competitors are seeing, you know, an, uh, you know the light of opportunity, and they're going after it, and I think we need to respond in kind. If we continue having trouble with China and lose a lot of that market, what we've been selling to them or could be selling to them, are there other markets, enough other markets to pick up that slack? Yeah, Mike, that's a great question. I think that, you know, our strategy right now is to engage and engage strongly to try and let's work through these issues. It's too important markets to, to cast aside. However, on the flip side, we are going after all alternative markets uh, very strongly right now, particularly Southeast Asia and South Asia, which includes India, Pakistan, Bangladesh. We, we see some good, strong growth there, including, like I just talked about, the Middle East. There's a lot of places we can find new demand. Uh, and so we're going after both of those things. Engage hard in China, Mexico, NAFTA, but maybe but even harder everywhere else in the world. What are your thoughts on the talks between the U.S. and EU? I mean, there was a lot of excitement that that's going to be something big, and then we start hearing the EU say, hey, we don't want a lot of these ag issues on the table. We've had long-standing disputes with them on a number of issues. Uh, how do you see that playing out? Well, there's, there's, you know, you've, you've hit the nail on the head in there, Mike. I mean, we've got some long-standing issues, particularly on biotechnology acceptance, uh, now the, the latest thing is, uh, you know, you know, pesticide residue levels, things like that. Um, and we were selling at a pretty good clip uh, to Spain uh, and uh, Portugal. Uh, it was cut off with the steel and aluminum tariffs. I think now we maybe can see those 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 sales to Spain, you know, expand again. But that's just one uh, market. It's, it's a pretty small market. The EU generally is a small market for U.S. corn. But, you know, we want to see it's a step in the right direction to at least, you know, de-escalate this tariff war just a little bit in one step. So that's positive, but uh, we've got a lot, of, a lot of other barriers of the EU, which we've been fighting for years. Give us an update on some of the, the work that you're doing. You mentioned some of these markets in different places, and I know... We mentioned Jim Stitzlein's your new uh, chairman. I believe he's in Malaysia. Tell us about some of the market development work, some of the work on the ground that you're doing around the world. Yeah, well, that's great. Like, for instance, yeah, uh, you know, Jim, our, our, our chairman, is in uh, uh, Malaysia right now. We're working together with the uh, U.S. Soybean Export Council on a buyer's conference. That's taking place uh, starting on Monday in Malaysia, bringing buyers in from all around Southeast Asia. And like I just mentioned, Southeast Asia is a big target for us. Uh, a little bit later in October, we're going to have our export exchange meeting. It'll be in Minneapolis this year. This is where we're going to bring in probably well over 200 uh, feed grain buyers uh, from all over the world into descending into Minneapolis and put them in direct contact with sellers. That buyer-to-seller uh, magic you know, happens there in Minneapolis, and it really reinforces relationships and things like that. In addition to really strong, you know, policy work, perhaps like in India, where we're really pushing hard to get some biotech acceptance to enable to open up the door for DDG sales into India, and along with ethanol sales in India and a lot of other places in the world. So we always like to say the sun never sets from the U.S. Great Council, and like I said, the work from our members is get after these markets and get after them hard. 
Tom, well, what are you uh, watching closely as we get closer to the conference committee meeting on the farm bill? Uh, I know there's some uh, market uh, promotion development programs. I'm sure you're watching closely the funding for those. Yeah, that's it's very important. You know, again, the public-private partnership that allows us to have this aggressive market development plan around the world is dependent on the farm bill, the farm market development program, FMD, the market access program, MAP, are authorized to the farm bill. Uh, one of those programs, FMD, which really covers a lot of our fixed costs around the world, including staff, rent, you know, keeping the lights on, that sort of thing, the FMD program would go away, would disappear if, uh, if there's no farm bill or if there's just a simple extension of the current farm bill. So we need to see, we'd really like to see the farm bill settled out before September 30th. That would really send a strong signal of we're going to keep working hard on export market development. So just to kind of wrap this up, Tom, um, the mood coming out of your summer meeting with all the trade tensions and issues, was it optimistic, pessimistic, or, or just kind of nervous? Or what would you describe the, the mood, the feeling of your, of your members? Yes. All the above. <laughs> All the <laughs> above. Pessimistic. I, I think, you know, not to be funny, but, I mean, yeah, I think their farmers were – was a really call to action that they need to be continuing to do more on, on, the, on addressing these issues of trade and trade – our trade policies around the world. A little bit of optimism that, you know, it's, it's not all doom and gloom. There are some bright spots in the world. We're still in a very strong uh, market situation of selling corn and it's selling ethanol. <laughs> and so our members came out of there – I think kind of charged up a little bit to, to say, hey, let's engage and engage hard in these issues. Trade is really, really important to us. And you mentioned ethanol. What are the prospects for ethanol exports? Well, I think we'll, we'll set another record this year. We could come close to 1.5 billion gallons exported. And, you know, we're all, it's all going towards our, our goals to continue to see that expansion every year. I think we're close to some real good breakthroughs, uh, particularly in Japan, uh, in Mexico. I think things are, are moving along on a positive track, even in China, where uh, we're still heavily engaged on bioenergy and, and the role of, of, of ethanol in addressing air quality. You know, things could actually get positive there if we have, a, if we have some policy shifts or some positive movement on the issues with China. We're still strongly engaged there, and, of course, um, you know, I think there's other places in the world, sort of secondary markets, where we can see some progress. So we're still very, very bullish on, on where we're headed. And I think uh, we'd like to see some major market breakthroughs and continuing to add to the, to the overall increasing year-to-year of uh, ethanol exports. Mm-hmm. Well, we could use uh, some positive news, that's for sure. Tom, good to talk with you again. Glad you had a good meeting. Thanks for being with us. Uh, I might thank you. Tom Slate, President, CEO of the U.S. Grains Council. What does the National Association of Conservation Districts want to see in this next Farm Bill? They've set their priorities. We'll talk with their Director of Government Affairs next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Stay with us. truck or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. 
We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. 
If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. As we uh, move forward on this farm bill, we you know we have the conferees named, and it's just a matter now of them getting together and hammering this out. Uh, we've been talking with different groups about what they want to see in this uh, farm bill. Joining us now is the Director of Government Affairs for the National Association of Conservation Districts, Coleman Garrison. Coleman, thank you for joining us. Uh, tell us uh, what uh, your group wants to see in this farm bill. I know you've set some priorities. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Really, this is the overarching priority for the conservation district across the country is, one, to make sure that the programs that farmers and ranchers use to protect our natural resources through NRCS uh, continue, to be, continue to have the proper investments and receive the funding uh, that our resource concerns that we have across the country deserve and need. And secondly, we want to make sure that the programs that our producers use continue to be uh, simple and flexible uh, to meet the needs of their landscape. Uh, as we all know, resource concerns across the country are not the same from one state to state or even one county to county. So making sure those programs are locally flexible and meet the resource concerns of that local area. So those are kind of the two big overarching uh, priorities that we have when looking at the next farm bill. So are you wanting to see what, what we have now maintained, or are you hoping for improvements in those programs, or, or what are you pushing for? Absolutely. Uh, for the most part, we think the programs work fairly well for producers. So uh, at the very least, we want to make sure that uh, there are no, quote-unquote, reforms that we would see as doing harm to the programs. There are uh, improvements that we see that can be made um, from EQIP and CFP to the new Regional Conservation Partnership Program, some improvements that make it uh, hopefully a little more streamlined and simpler for our producers to use. Uh, but we are not necessarily looking for a big overhaul of the conservation programs over at NRCS. Are you, I don't want to say confident, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like you're overconfident, but are you happy with the one version or the other, Senate or the House, or do you think both are pretty strongly supportive of conservation? I think there's definitely opportunities within both the House and the Senate farm bill version to have a final bill that uh, overall will be, very positive. One uh, bill, one has, the Senate side has uh, more funding for conservation programs by maintaining the uh, funding baseline. Uh, so we were really pleased to see that. Um, and then each of the two versions have various policy changes that uh, we would like to see move forward, as well as a couple of policy changes that we'd probably like to see left off the final bill. So definitely a hybrid of the two bills can get us to the point where we will have a very positive farm bill moving forward. You've had, a, you've had a lot of success with a voluntary incentive-based model 
uh, locally led uh, decision making as close to the local level as possible. I- I'm sure that's what you want to really protect, right? Absolutely, and conservation districts uh, certainly are the, part of the bedrock of that local decision making. Um, and we want to make sure, as you said, the the voluntary model, the have programs that make the farmers and ranchers feel like they have buy-in. The hope is always to have them continue uh, to implement those conservation practices once a contract with the federal government ends. Um, And there are some reforms, unfortunately, within both sides that would set new federal requirements and guidelines and set aside, kind of chop up the program to a program to a certain extent to where the local influence really can't stand out when implementing these programs. That is really, and I said, our overall priority is make sure that the the locally-led voluntary model continues to move forward because that's really what farmers and ranchers have come to know over the several decades that these conservation programs have been around. Um, Know and trust, and we want to make sure that continues. And that's such an important point. A lot of times we just focus on is the program still there, Is how is it funded, but uh, another important part of that is are they making any changes in how it is structured and how the work is done and delivered in the decision-making process? As you say, that's, uh, that's a key part of all of this. Absolutely, and what we try to bring to the members of Congress and the new conference committees for the next Farm Bill is kind of that, that local input and the what or maybe some unintended consequences that may come forward if you make various changes. And it may sound good at a federal level and kind of a 30,000-foot level, but on the ground for the farmers and ranchers who use these programs, do these changes make sense? Will it allow them to continue to feel ownership over what they are doing and really allow them to feel like they are addressing the resource concerns that they see? Because we all know if, if the producers themselves don't feel like a conservation practice is truly improving their operation, uh, they're probably not going to continue doing it. So really that local flexibility and the locally-led process that conservation districts help lead uh, is one of the priorities for us moving forward. You know, the SNAP program is getting so much attention, uh, and that the headlines are all towards that. But a lot of other issues such as this are part of the Farm Bill and a very important part. I know you, you, you want to make sure you just don't get overlooked or swept under the rug in all this. Absolutely, and certainly there are some major differences in the nutrition title that need to be worked out between the conferees, and, but there are still some pretty big differences between the two chambers' farm bills on the conservation title as well. So while they will need to work out the differences in the nutrition title, and I truly believe they are going to be able to do that and produce a bill that both chambers can pass, we do want to make sure that our input and the input of our members and the input they receive from farmers and ranchers in their areas continue to be heard or those members to make sure they know what will end up working best moving forward in the conservation title. Well, the uh, Senate Majority Leader has a pretty ambitious schedule timeline to get this done right away when they get back, when the House gets back from this August recess. So we may know soon uh, when we get to uh, September. So we'll keep an eye on these issues. Coleman, thanks for, uh, for the update. We appreciate it. Absolutely happy to be on. Coleman Garrison, Director of Government Affairs for the National Association of Conservation Districts. These are all important issues that don't get near as much uh, publicity or coverage as the the SNAP program and some things like that, but all a big part of the Farm Bill. And, as he said, differences on the House and Senate side, these are issues that will have to be resolved in this conference committee as uh, they get to work on the final version of the Farm Bill. Well, again, it has been an extremely busy week and uh, will probably continue to be another one next week uh, as well. 
even with the House on recess, a lot going on. We'll keep you up to date right here on AOA. Always want to hear from you. You can email me anytime, MikeAdams at AmericanAgNetwork.com or on Twitter. Join me there at MikeAdamsAg. Always want to hear from you and what you think about uh, some of these issues, your thoughts and opinions. Certainly want to hear from you. A couple of reminders for this month on Monday, the 13th of August. I'll be at the Missouri State Fair in Sedalia, broadcasting from the Farm Bureau building. We'll talk about their drought issues in Missouri and some other key issues as well. So if you're going to be at the Missouri State Fair on the 13th of this month, I hope you'll stop by and see us. Of course, at the end of the month, the 28th, 29th, and 30th, we'll be in Boone, Iowa for the Farm Progress Show. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture.